Hello, lovely listener, and welcome to another episode of Reditations. My name is Celeste Johnson, and every week on this podcast, I discuss something I've read and then create a guided meditation based on the text. This week, I'm talking about the graphic novel Mouse by Art Spiegelman, specifically Mouse Part 1. And the question of what makes us able to care about and empathize with stories. Just a quick heads up, I will be talking about events that happen in this book, but I'll try to avoid any big spoilers, so if you haven't read it yet, you should be safe. Let's begin with a quick summary. In Mouse, Art Spiegelman depicts himself interviewing his father, Vladek Spiegelman, and records Vladek's stories of surviving the Holocaust in Poland. Vladek Spiegelman recounts in sharp detail what he and his family endured during this time period as Jews in Poland, and Art Spiegelman records all of these details so faithfully, down to the very syntax of his father's language. Spiegelman uses a comic book format to tell these stories, and that format is really effective and also really surprising initially, because for me at least, I don't expect this graphic novel format to be paired with such serious subject matter. That might be because I don't read a lot of graphic novels, but definitely at the time Spiegelman wrote and published this book, this was a new thing to be done to discuss something so serious and weighty in this graphic format. Pretty quickly, as I got into the book, I became convinced that this was the perfect format to tell this story because Spiegelman uses that graphic novel format to give the readers so much more depth than we could have gotten with just words. One of the important storytelling devices that Spiegelman uses here is the depiction of Jews as mice and the depiction of Nazis as cats. This animalistic depiction gives the reader a little bit of distance, a layer of artificiality over this story that actually makes it more palatable and makes it easier, I thought, as a reader to understand the horror and the depth of this story because we have this kind of shield with which to confront it, this metaphor that Spiegelman has provided us to give us something to hang on to and protect us slightly as we're reading through the story. I'm sure that Spiegelman is not just using this device as a way to give his readers some distance, though. He uses it as a way to cut to the chase of what's going on at the heart of the issues in this story. These animal depictions serve as a really useful shorthand for power dynamics, and they also help us identify the characters in the story with just a quick glance. We can look at a character in Mouse and identify in a split second whether or not they are a Jew. Similar to the way that I imagine people during this time period had trained themselves to identify each other as Jewish or not. Mouse was the first graphic novel to win a Pulitzer Prize, and for good reason. I'm pretty resistant to reading graphic novels usually, they're not typically my thing, and I waited a long time to read Mouse, but finally I read it recently, and as soon as I got into it, I understood what all the fuss was about. I couldn't put it down. I found myself immediately swept up in the story, 
and that was because the story felt so real. Mouse is a collection of moments, a collection of relationships, a collection of human beings. Its interest is not in telling history, but in telling the stories of real people, and that humanity shines through in each frame. Art Spiegelman begins the book with a story about how his father met his mother and fell in love with her. Spiegelman's father pointedly tells his son not to include the story in his book because it has nothing to do with Hitler or the Holocaust. Art responds to his father saying, quote, I want to tell your story the way it really happened. And that's exactly what he does throughout the rest of the book. Mouse is not a book about the Holocaust. It is about the people who survived it and the people who did not. I struggled after finishing Mouse to think about how I could possibly create this episode. I wanted to talk about this book because it's so amazing, but I wanted to be sure to approach it sensitively. And I kept coming back to this question of who am I to talk about this book? Who am I to talk about the tales that this incredible survivor is telling in these pages? And what do I really have to say? This is in no way about me. This is, you know, what do I have to add to this when it already stands so starkly, so imposingly on its own? It's natural as a reader to try to put ourselves in the shoes, try to relate to the experiences that we see characters having as we read. And that was really difficult in this book. I don't want to pretend that I can even come close to understanding these experiences of sheer horror and persecution and just cruelty and sadness that Vladek talks about in this book. But I realized as I was thinking about that, that Spiegelman's book allowed me to approach these experiences, approach these things, these horrid things that happened in history from a perspective that made them more understandable, more relatable, more human to me as a reader. Spiegelman took those events, took those events and changed them into experiences. He took these things that are so often relegated to the pages of history books and he turned them into a deeply human story. He told these stories in a way that I had never seen them told before. He told them in a way that centered experience in every moment. It centered the relationships of these characters. It centered what they saw in their day-to-day lives. It centered how they talked to each other. It centered the very small dignities that they were able to find for themselves every now and then, like some fresh eggs or a bar of chocolate. In these images and moments that Spiegelman gives us, he is offering us an invitation into the story. Almost none of us have experienced the horrors that Vladek Spiegelman did during the Holocaust, but we have all experienced love and loss, and by centering 
very human, very ordinary experiences like those and amplifying them, Spiegelman makes it possible for us to come even a little bit closer to understanding the gravity of these stories and what it truly meant on a human level. Stories are always about people. They are never not about people. And Mouse forces us to remember that. Even when there aren't people in a story that we're telling, stories are about people because we, the people, write the stories. And in that way, they reflect back on us. Mouse forces us to recognize the human presence at the center of every story, especially this one. Remembering that humanity is key to our ability to understand and empathize with each other, even in circumstances when we do not share the same experiences. And this is crucial to human progress. I tried to pick apart what makes Spiegelman's storytelling feel so real and so human, and these are a few ideas I came up with. Spiegelman allows the fullest picture he can at all times. He does this with several tools. He uses multiple perspectives. He uses multiple moments in time. He even uses multiple languages in his stories. And of course, he uses multiple media, pictures, and words to convey his stories. In this way, he opens as many doors for his readers as he can to invite them into the story and give them different ways to synthesize it. Spiegelman always maintains the principle that it is people at the center of the story. On every page, we are relentlessly reminded that this story did not come out of nowhere. It is coming from someone telling it in their own voice. Lastly, I think Mouse feels so real and so human because Spiegelman allows for human complexity to emerge in these stories. He's not trying to distill his characters down to good and bad, And this gray space that often occurs with the characters is another reminder of just how real they are and how we can relate to them as fellow flawed human beings. By maintaining the humanity at the heart of this story, Spiegelman does one more really important thing. He allows his readers to move past anger and into grief. Often we read and learn about events and not experiences, and I think it's easy for us to get angry about events, but it's hard for us to move past that anger into grief until we realize the deeply felt human experience that is at the heart of those events. Spiegelman makes space for that to happen. He makes space for grief when he puts humanity at the center of this story. And ultimately, when I finished reading this book, grief was the strongest emotion I felt. By allowing that space for grief, Spiegelman is also making space for us to feel empathy. And I think that Mouse is a masterclass in how we can reframe stories and listen to each other differently to make more space for empathy in our everyday lives. That empathy is what I would like to talk about in today's meditation. So settle in and let's meditate. As 
as always, let's begin this meditation with a few deep breaths together. Find a place where you feel comfortable and inhale. Exhale. Today's meditation is going to be based on the Buddhist practice of loving-kindness meditation. For the next few breaths, allow yourself to release any thoughts you're hanging on to. On each exhale, simply let those thoughts float away and remind yourself that you can come back to them later if you need to. If you notice tension anywhere in your body, you can release that on your next exhale. Visualize it simply floating away on your breath. If it feels comfortable for you, close your eyes and notice the calming sensation of dimming light that comes when you do. Start to get present in your body. Notice what it feels like to be where you are right now. Pay attention to what's supporting you, to how it feels when you draw air into your lungs and release it again. Simply bring your attention into your experience in this moment right now. Anytime a thought arises, allow it to leave and bring your attention back to what it feels like to be a living, breathing person right now. We're going to try some visualization together. During this visualization, I invite you to decide whether you'd like to use characters from the book Mouse as you visualize, or people from your actual life. Whatever comes to you is perfectly fine. Begin with yourself. Draw yourself into your mind's eye. You can picture yourself from the outside, or simply picture yourself as you are from the inside. Whatever you do, settle into yourself a little more here. Become even more present in this moment and acknowledge your own presence in this moment. Essentially, you're greeting yourself. As you greet yourself and picture yourself, you'll say these words to yourself, either aloud or in your mind. May I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, may I live with ease. Take a deep breath, notice any feelings that are coming up in response to those words, and one more time, aloud or in your mind, repeat these words. May I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, may I live with ease. 
Take a moment to truly extend that sentiment to yourself. You're offering this almost as a prayer. Take a moment to just sit with those words and feel how you respond to them. Now, envision a person whom you know well. This could be a character from Mouse, if you like, perhaps Vladek, or it could be someone in your own life, someone whom you are close to. Create this person in your mind's eye, bring to mind all the vivid details you can, the way they look, the way they talk, the way they act, and allow this person to come into shape in your mind. Take another breath while you do that. After you've brought this person into your mind's eye and you can see them clearly, extend those wishes that you've just made for yourself. Envision them as a bubble and extend that bubble to encompass this other close person that you've drawn into your mind's eye now. This bubble of loving kindness is holding you both now. Repeat aloud or in your mind these words. Sending them to the person that you're envisioning in this moment. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Continue to picture this person in your mind's eye and really feel yourself extending these words, these wishes and prayers to them. One more time, aloud or silently to yourself, repeat these words. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Gently release this person from your visualization and move your mind's eye to someone whom you don't know as well. This could be a more distant acquaintance or a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. Again, invite that person into your mind's eye and visualize them as clearly as you can. Draw to mind every detail that you can about them, the way they look, the way they talk, the way they act, and hold them in your thoughts for a few moments as you continue to breathe. Once you've clearly visualized this person, keep them in your mind's eye as you draw them into this bubble. The bubble already contains you, 
and the person you're close to. And now it contains this third person, this more distant acquaintance. Envelop that person in the bubble. And again, repeat these words aloud or in your mind, sending them directly to this new person, this more distant acquaintance. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Continue picturing their face. And once more, repeat the words, really feeling the sentiment extending out to them as you do. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Take a moment to let those words settle. Keep breathing. Stay present in your body. And lastly, envision someone whom you don't know at all. This could be somebody that you know about, but you don't even need to know who this person is. Whoever pops into your mind, as long as you don't know them, is the perfect person for this. Again, focus your mind on the details of this person for a few moments as you keep breathing. Even though you don't know this person, allow the aspects of their humanity to remain central as you imagine them, just as you have done for the other people in this visualization. Remember that they have a story, and keep that story at the forefront of your mind as you visualize this person that you don't know. One last time, repeat the words, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live with ease. Even though you don't know this person, take a moment to really feel yourself sending them these wishes, these prayers. And one more time, repeat the words. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. And may you live with ease. Take a couple final breaths with me. Imagine all of the people you've just visualized in this bubble of happiness, health, safety, and ease. And if you'd like, feel free to extend that bubble even further. You and each of the other people contained within this bubble each have essentially human stories. Even though you've led different lives and you have different things going on, 
We all have essentially human stories, and it's those stories that allow us to relate to each other and to empathize with each other, to care about each other. Open your eyes when you feel ready. Take one final breath, and as you go back into your day, hold this empathy and carry it with you. Whenever you meet someone, remember that they are carrying a story too. That stories are always about people and that it is up to us to hear them. Thank you so very much for joining me for this episode of Reditations on Art Spiegelman's Mouse and the question of what makes a story feel real. Special thanks, as always, goes to Josh Munt for the sound design and theme music you heard in this episode. I know there are a lot of things that you can do with your time, and it means a lot to me that you choose to spend it listening to this podcast. If you'd like to further support the podcast, there are a few ways you can do it. First, if you liked what you heard in this episode, please share it with someone else you think would appreciate it. That's absolutely the best way for this to spread around. You can also rate and review the podcast, which helps increase its visibility to people who might like it. You can visit my website, reditationspodcast.com, to sign up for email updates and learn about what's coming next in the Reditations world. Hint, there's an Artist Way group that I'm really excited about and would love to have you be a part of. That's a great example of something you can learn more about on my website. Finally, a great way to support the podcast is by visiting its Patreon page. This is where you can offer financial support and find other ways to get involved. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate having you here. I wish you a week full of empathy. Happy reading, friends, and I'll catch you next time.